Don't care, you're fine. Don't worry. Is that tree alive? Of course it's alive. It's a tree. But is it dangerous? Well, every rose has its thorns. I like Christmas tree decorations. Yeah. Naturally occurring Christmas trees. Oh, how cool is that? I don't understand. It's a big universe. Everything happens somewhere. Call it a coincidence. Call it an idea echoing among the stars. Personally, I call it a brilliant idea for a Christmas trip, or it should have been. Welcome to the Yuletide TV Podcast, a podcast where we watch and review a random Christmas episode to determine whether or not it's a Christmas classic. I'm Chris, and joining me as always are my friends Brian. Hello. And John. Hello. This is the ninth episode of our 20-episode expedition through Christmas-themed television. And uh, hey, let's uh, just take a minute as we approach the halfway point here to uh, say thanks to all our listeners for sticking around. How have you guys been feeling? How are you doing today? You burned out on this project yet? I am tickled to be here. I watched something that didn't suck, and I mildly felt feelings for the first time in months. So I am not Christopher. Well, that is very exciting to hear. Yeah, and I think it's just a great day for Hey, you know, uh, to echo John's sentiment. It's a good episode. Excited to talk about it. So let's get at her. All right, well, you guys are revved up. Let's do this thing. Uh, Let's just jump into it. Let's talk about what we watch for today. As a reminder, we only have two rules When it comes to what gets covered on this podcast, one is that the episode must have at least a little bit something to do with Christmas, and two, it's got to be relatively easy to stream because, hey, we want you guys watching along with us as we're doing this stuff. So today, the episode selector has gifted us with... The Doctor, the Widow, and the Wardrobe from Doctor Who. This is technically the first episode of Series 7 for the show. It originally aired on December 25th, 2011, uh, which is, uh, incidentally, only a few weeks after the How I Met Your Mother episode we just talked about last time. And you can find it streaming on Amazon Prime or possibly Warner's streaming service, depending on when you're listening to this. And you can find that by searching on Amazon for Doctor Who Christmas specials. Don't try searching by the season that it is in, because you will not find it. Just do the episode title. It's a nice, easy one. We're just Doctor Who, and then find the little square that says Christmas special. There's a lot of ways to get home on this one. It's like the second one. People are really into Doctor Who Christmas. Sure are. It's a big deal. It is a big deal. And, you know, we're watching first British series. We're watching our first episode to air actually on Christmas. A lot of exciting stuff going on with this one. A lot of firsts. A lot of big firsts. Big firsts. Big firsts. Big. Big, big, big. I don't know why I felt like joining in there. That's fine. Brian just likes to let people know he's still here. (laughs) Hello. (laughs) (laughs) As always, though, if you haven't had a chance to watch it for yourself, we always like to give you a little bit of an idea of what happened. And uh, for this one, you know, we've we've dealt with some pretty nonsensical plots on this podcast for for shows we've watched so far. Uh, But this one may take the cake. So so bear with me on this one. And I'm going to do the best I can to at least help you get your bearings. Fuck you, Digimon. (laughs) (laughs) This plot like makes sense. Kind of. Kind of. I mean, it's not 
we'll get into it. So here we go. The doctor travels to wartime England to help a mother and her children during Christmas whose father recently died in battle. As a Christmas present, the doctor has gifted the children with a portal to another planet, but the sun opens it too soon. He arrives on a planet that's seemingly filled with naturally occurring Christmas trees that are all about to be harvested for fuel using acid rain. The tree people recruit the mom to ferry the souls of their species to safety, and in doing so is able to rescue her husband from his untimely demise. As her family celebrates Christmas, she invites the doctor to stay, but he declines, instead returning to the present to spend Christmas with his regular companions, the Pons. You did a good job with that, Chris. That's how you oversimplify something. <laughs> that is how you oversimplify something. But I think it's also very much in the spirit of Doctor Who. You know, where you go, oh, they're on a different planet. How'd they get there? Through the portal. Keep up. Come on. Yeah, like this, like it makes sense in the same way every sci-fi thing makes sense, right? You just accept things are going to happen. Like you just accept that things happen. Like, oh, these trees make batteries. So you pour acid rain on them and you make the battery okay cool when chris made that point about the plot i my first thought was just logically yeah use fuel harvest fuel using acid rain of course yeah that's yeah that makes sense and the acid rain on planet earth is the reason mm-hmm. we've we've moved into this new utopia sci-fi plots are a lot like studying philosophy in college the faster you just trick your brain into accepting it the better grade you're gonna get in the end don't think regurgitate exactly no like it's it, this is like just like kind of every doctor who episode and i'm not the biggest doctor who guy but i've been around it and watched it it's just like oh he seems dumb and incompetent and he's screwing up oh but that screw up saved the day cool <laughs> like that's that's what the episodes are it's like bumble 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 day is saved and it's adorable and cute and dorky and british and it's not, and it's self-aware to a certain degree. I I think Matt Smith is certainly a much more bumbly doctor than than others. Uh, my my biggest issue when I say when I say the plot is nonsensical, there's this whole thing with the souls of the trees. There's a there's a crown. Shh. That did anyone get this Shh. now? <laughs> Admittedly, I did get distracted at one point by a very funny tweet about Matthew McConaughey. Uh, at a very critical point, it seemed like in the episode, but I don't know. For me, that's, that's... <laughs> well. Now you got to read the tweet. <laughs> now I just want Matthew McConaughey to be a doctor. <laughs> all Ooh. right, all right, all right. Pretty badly. Like it's like I think his signature like accoutrement would just be like like a shitty baseball hat. It would just be like a really terrible one. <laughs> oh no, he'd wear a cowboy hat for sure. <laughs> no, baseball hat. <laughs> So, uh, I want to talk to you about your prognosis. We're gonna make this. We're gonna make this a Twitter poll. <laughs> Doctor Who, Matthew McConaughey, <laughs> Stetson, or baseball cap? I. <laughs> you tell us. Eddie just like kind of goes into different characters he's been before. He actually no, he's only the guy from Dazed and Confused. And then when things go bad, he's Russ Cole. <laughs> 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 Time a flat circle. <laughs> yeah, even it's it's already just going up to aliens like the best thing you could do, and bad. I strongly advise you to do it is kill yourself. <laughs> 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 and that's how every episode ends. <laughs> just, 
It's a radical tone shift for a children's TV show. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I like to imagine there's just a dash to of his uh, assistant character from Tropic Thunder. Just, <laughs> we're, we're going to get you that TiVo tug. <laughs> I can see him walking up to a Dalek and be like, "Hey, are you uh, are you high right now? We are not high. <laughs> be a lot be cooler luck. if you were." <laughs> <laughs> the Dal- and the Daleks like, like they're like, ah, "Yeah, we should try it." Like, then <laughs> they they just start yelling, "Destroy it, bags of weed! Some bags of weed and white claws!" Oh man. Dab, um, dab. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> Their guns on the front is just a bong now. There's <laughs> <laughs> a screen cut, and it's like a, whatever his like companion or whatever comes back, and he's just smoking out of a Dalek. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, you shouldn't do that. Those things are dangerous. <laughs> and then he just stares into the camera and delivers a Lincoln commercial dialogue. <laughs> that's that's the end of every episode. Just him. But he's talking about the TARDIS. Yeah. The TARDIS is cool. It takes you wherever you want to go. and Sometimes not even where you want to go, but where you need to be. That's what my Lincoln TARDIS is like. I look out the TARDIS and I see a time vortex and I go, ooh. That's a big vortex. (laughs) That would be his TARDIS, too. It would just be a Lincoln. Because a TARDIS can take on any shape. So he'd just be driving a Lincoln around. And you, like, hop in the trunk to get into the expanded Lincoln or whatever. This This is the American Doctor Who reboot. It'll be on AMC in a few months. Just pay us enough. Pay us enough for it. We'll talk. We'll talk. <laughs> well, let's let's steer back a little bit to talking about this version of Doctor Who, if we can. So, Chris, why is this plot nonsensical, and why is ours better? <laughs> uh, yours is better because Matthew McConaughey and everything you're doing makes perfect sense. My my biggest issue is that you have these tree people, and I just could never really get invested in this story. Like it's it's hard to get invested with creatures that don't really emote in any way. But, like, that's the kind of every Doctor Who character, right? Is like, the point is that it's working around a really low budget. And that's kind of, like, the fun of it. I agree, but they're so stoic. All these characters do is blink and move their arms. And because I couldn't get invested, I never felt like the stakes of this episode were particularly high. Think of it from, like, an environmental of an environmentalist standard or perspective where you shouldn't just burn trees. And that's like, that's the emotional connection to it. It's a forest. It's a living thing, regardless of it's talking or not. I don't think the trees are the stakes of the episode. Like the point in the stakes of the episode is the family. The trees are just the B plot. Yeah. The trees are the B plot essentially that are used to like accomplish the ending. But like the point of the episode is like, him trying to cheer up a really sad family. Mm. That's the entire crux of the episode is like, it's about the father dying in World War II. Yeah. And then him trying to be like, well, I, you guys are here for me or whatever, so I'm here for you. And like, the trees are just kind of like the B plot to accomplish the twist at the end. So like, right. the tr- that's not the stakes, really. The stakes is like, 
Christmas being ruined. So in this in this case, it is the most Christmas episode. I want to jump on Chris's bandwagon here real quick, though. And if the trees are powerful enough to leave their shells, essentially, that is the tree, and then open up a time vortex, uh, why couldn't one of them just open up a vortex and then they just inhabit another fucking forest? Maybe not the uh, the Amazon right now or wherever's in Brazil. Several months ago. Several months ago, yeah. Um, Several months ago, of course. Before Leonardo DiCaprio single-handedly put out all the fires. Yes, he did. I heard Brad Pitt helped him. Well, who knows? But, like, they couldn't help Brian to defend sci-fi. Oh, okay. Uh, which, is, which is what I always a great position to argue from. Um, <laughs> the trees couldn't do that because they needed the mom. Oh, that's to, right. They needed the anchor to a new yeah, location. They needed, like, okay. the conduit. It's like she's like the only one who is like capable and strong enough to do it. Yeah. So they need Wait. her to shove the crown on. John, you should apply to be the press secretary for the president of the United States and just stand in front of reporters <laughs> and go, well, in the sci-fi angle of things, and yeah, that this... would still be a better <laughs> stance than anything that's going on right now. You spent a long enough time arguing fantasy books and comic books and like the occasional Star Wars thing. You get really good at defending dumb shit. <laughs> and like Doctor Who's dumb. That's the point of Doctor oh, Who. Oh, it's great. Yeah. It's like Star it's like Star Trek, except it like accepted its weirdness and Star Trek was like, No, we're adults. This is an adult show for smart adults. I'm gonna need you to repeat that with more Shatner. <laughs> this is an adult show for adults. <laughs> <laughs> but like instead of like pushing to be like more like updating itself for the times doctor who like held on to being a like a weird kid show from the 60s that adults kind of clung to so like it has these like really bad effects and like really like fantastical nothing works like this in reality but this is kind of how we thought theoretical physics could work if you tilt your head enough sideways in like 1962 yeah and like that's the fun of it that's like the point is like it's campy and it like is a super limiting form but it makes some of the performances really charming like, Matt Smith is a gosh darn delight in this. Ah, I love Matt Smith. Matt this Smith is, is killer in this. I thought the mom was killer in this. The daughter. The daughter's a super strong actor. Daughter's oh, great. For like they a little her tiny way child. more to do. Yeah. yeah she's... The, the son is shit. not... He's but Not yeah. very good. He's shit. He sucks. <laughs> Doctor Who confirms my thing that I've started in-house, which is, like, just the way actors are trained in England must be so much better. Like, consistently, where it's just like, oh, man, these are clearly hyper-talented people with nothing to do. Fucking want 200K (laughs) for, like, make 500 of these episodes. And then, you like, you spend a long time on IMDb being like, what else were you in? And then being kind of sad for Matt Smith that, like, he got Terminator Genesis. Oh, Jesus. We don't talk about that. (laughs) Allegedly also going to be in this uh, new Star Wars that will be coming out soon. Oh. Uh, but that is also unconfirmed, and I think so he's gonna his, be a stormtrooper. I people are saying he might have a bigger role than that, but he has also denied that he is even in the film. So it's one of those things yeah. where it's like, how secretive and what is just wrong. So he's in the new. He was in like a Charlie Manson BBC show. What? So I'm kind of curious if he's better than the Charlie Manson from Mindhunter, or if like worse, because he like he looks. He like not that the one in Mindhunter was bad or like looked wrong by any stretch, but like 
Matt Smith like looks like dead on. <laughs> you know what else that he's in that is underrated? Pride, Prejudice, and Zombies. What? There's zero chance that's a good movie in your life. It's, it's not a great movie, <laughs> but it's a lot better than you think it would be. I saw that movie for free, which I think is part of the reason I really enjoyed it. But it was a lot of fun for being what it was and having very low expectations. I was like, this is pretty enjoyable. He seems like a dude who throws himself really hard into whatever he's doing, which is a sick thing to do. Especially in like Doctor Who, which is really like, like I said, like a limiting thing. Because it's supposed to be kind of like, it's supposed to be, it acknowledges it's ridiculous. Yeah. Like, it's a motherfucker with a, with a flashlight battling time monsters. Like, and, like, when you see, like, other doctors, like, they tend in other roles, and none of them tend to go on to be super giant stars, but, like, fucking David Tennant and uh, Jessica Jones or whatever is, like, fucking rad. He's the best part oh, of that yeah, season. Oh, yeah, he's really oh, yeah. good. Broadchurch. And they're all that very specific brand of English handsome where they're, like, not handsome, but they're kind of handsome. You know what I mean? Like, Matt Smith, if he wasn't an actor, probably not a good-looking guy, really. But you're like, you look at it hard enough, you're like, pretty good-looking guy. Yeah. They all kind of got that. They have the same guy over and over until they get to the old one at the end. And then they're <laughs> back to the original stuff, because they're like, oh, what if we did an old guy again? Instead of a lady. Capaldi's great. Sexist. Capaldi's okay. Capaldi's a great actor. He's an okay doctor. Capaldi never got a good like frame of reference as a doctor Eccleston was the first guy back and he was just like that goofy campy classic whatever Tennant was the appeal to the younger generation I think that like really got like the teenagers in with his like brooding excitement whatever Matt Smith goofy awesome you know just like the fun wondrous sciencey kind but Capaldi got thrown in there and he's like, oh, he's going to be like, uh, he's going to be kind of angsty and he's going to be uh, sarcastic and kind of mean. But it never really fit the shoe too great until I think he came in in the, his last season as a professor and then he started killing it. And that's where he really hit his stride. The last two episodes with Clara and then the following season up to the end of his run is is he's very good and and the yes. and the plot starts serving him a little bit better than they had in his his previous runs because we never really saw that with the recent uh iteration of doctor who we never saw like the doctor as a teacher we saw the doctor as like kind of like a charming casanova with tenant and then we saw him as like a goofy guy trying to run away from his past with smith but to really kind of engage with people in an instructive way was cool to see. And that's my defense of Capaldi. Well done. Thanks. Going back to the episode real quick, can we talk about how properly British that family was with Marge or Madge? Madge. Got a Madge, Madge and her children. Well, it's like 19. It's 1942, my dude. It was great. Those are what everyone's names were then. That's just what they <laughs> sounded like. I just don't like that Madge was married to Reg. That those names are too close. <laughs> oh, come on. Too many G's. Can we talk about how Reg followed Madge home until she agreed to marry him? And how that Dude. would not fly today by any standard? Dude, that's that's what courtship was then. I know, like, but just... <laughs> buddy. Whenever we watch anything that's older, it's like, oh, weird. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I love, I love that that era essentially amounts to calling dibs. Like, you, like, it's a bunch of dudes standing outside a girl's windows being like, 
you bet your butt I'm gonna marry you someday. And then it's just like, and then we did. And no, Clarence, I called dips first. <laughs> I like, so I, when I was unemployed, I used to go to the gym at like, like in the morning or like at noonish, whenever I would wake up. And there'll be like a lot of old folks in there just getting to go moving. <laughs> and there you occasionally see like, there's like a couple of like old dudes who was like, he was very clear their hobby has like been weightlifting since like, 1970 or whatever because they're just doing weird ass shit and wearing a belt the whole time but like you'll you'd see them hit on the old like widows and it's always way too aggressive like way 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 too aggressive (laughs) so like that's just what i assume every day was like to be a woman in like the 60s and 40 and it's probably even worse in the 40s I want to go back to something you were talking about john which is something people might not realize which is that Doctor Who at its core and its origins is is a children's show that with its reboot uh, in the you know early early aughts has found this adult audience. And I feel like in this episode in particular, you can really see the children's show aspects of it because this this episode is heavy, heavy on whimsy. I mean, all of it's kind of whimsical with Doctor Who. Like none of the bad guys are super spooky. Like, the stakes are that you like the character. Yeah, I just, I, th- I think with this episode, because it's at Christmas and because you remove his normal companions who are oh. more, you know, young adults and replace them with actual children, and because it's a Christmas episode that you're assuming the the whole family sitting down to watch, that that, that, that whimsy, that blundering aspects of the Doctor are just heightened to a, to a little more than a, they typically are. Well, it kind of panders to kids, too, especially when he's shown around this house they're staying in. He's like, check out all this cool shit that I did to the house, right? And it's very much geared towards children. And that's the thing that they're going to talk about at the end of the episode in some ways is going to be, oh, man, I wish I had that room. Oh, yeah, I wish my chairs moved around in our sitting room with no TV. And man, they just want an iPad. They just want an iPad. I don't know. I always like to think that kids are always just going to want like a room to play in. With an iPad. <laughs> that was one of the great lines in this episode is he shows them this room. He goes, oh, yeah, small sitting room. Not much point to it without a television, but I tried to make some improvements. <laughs> <laughs> would you want uh, a faucet specifically for lemonade or would you switch that out with something else? Not beer or a liquor or anything like that. All right. At child you, what would you want? Sprite? <laughs> child John was like, child John Street with some Sprite. Mine would probably be a root beer, uh, which I think is probably in another movie. I there, there are a lot of interesting influences in this episode. I mean, you have the title, which is a very clear take on Lion, Witch, in the Wardrobe, and as well as kind of traveling to this magical Christmassy land. But there was a lot of Mary Poppins in this, I thought. I don't know if you guys were getting that feel too, but just when he's giving them the tour of the house, even some of the shots I thought were very reminiscent of Mary Poppins, where you kind of have people marching around a house and seeing these kind of fantastical elements that this eccentric stranger has brought into their lives. I don't think I've watched Mary Poppins for 20 years. I don't think I've ever enjoyed watching Mary Poppins. So. so those those references are lost on us, Chris. So, so what you're saying is you did not pick up on them. I got. I, got well, I, I, I get it. I I rem- yeah. It's it was for sure like channeling some of that vibe, like when they do the 
little house tour. He didn't sing a song, thankfully. <laughs> but like, yeah, for sure it was there. And I'm sure the kids even kind of were reacting like the Mary Poppins kids and like the adults were reacting like the adults were like, the fuck is this guy? <laughs> like, yeah. What is, why is he Why is he fucking this up? I'd like to start talking about the end of the episode, right? Okay. Because it, it starts out with the, the pilot father getting shot down or whatever, crashing and being presumed dead and whatnot. First off, we got three flashbacks of that, which was, I think, too, too many. Okay. St- establish right? the stakes. Establish <laughs> the stakes. Two, what the fuck happened to Anderson? Because in those three times, we heard <laughs> Anderson's in a real bad shape. What should I tell him? Well, tell him we're going home. And then they land the plane. The dad comes out. The two guys are, I don't know, dead in the plane somewhere? <laughs> <laughs> well, the other guy's probably tending to Anderson, who's about to ruin those children's Christmas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, God, my leg. Yeah. Jesus Christ. No, like, seriously, though. No. Because we never see him again. Does the dad forget about him? Like, oh, like he leaves the plane. Like, I'm going to go get help. And then he sees his family and spends Christmas. Two days later, goes back to the plane and go, oh, yeah, you guys here? Is Anderson still alive? We don't know what happened between the getting off the plane and night. And I think the reason they showed it three times is they showed, like, progression each of the thirds. So, like, the first one ends with, like, like, what do I tell Anderson? Tell him we'll be home for Christmas. The second one shows him pawing at the picture of his wife. And then the third one shows like the light that saves them, which is like the souls of the tree becoming a star, which is like what saves him that the mom harbored a whole planet of tree souls and made them a star. So I think that's like why they showed it three times. It was like it progressed and also to fill time because it's like an hour long show. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> I think part of it too is like a lot of those flashbacks or things we were getting were with the mom clutching that letter and that letter kind of becomes Mm -hmm. to a certain extent the MacGuffin of the episode where it it is the the driving force that it's her secret she's keeping from the kids it's the pain she's holding inside her and then it also becomes the key that not only brings them home but also brings her husband home so I'm I'm a soft boy I suppose (laughs) and I was emotional just a just a real soy boy out here um but i like i was pretty like touched by this episode and i know we do the the comedy yuck yucks on this podcast but um like my dad died like christmas time so i like probably i'm more sensitive to this kind of content which Chris and the machine keep giving us because <laughs> he likes to see me in pain. So when you lose somebody who's really close to you and that's a part of your life every day, it's a bummer. And even if like, for like my dad didn't die unexpectedly, he had really bad cancer and passed away. But when someone dies, you don't ever get to like close with them as I know that like you can be in the same room with them and you probably don't get to close with them. And kind of all you get for solace is like, at least in my case, was that, like, I know one of the last things he said to my mom was that, like, he was asking a lot of questions about what I was doing that night because he had made sure I was pretty far away and going to work in a different city. So, like, I think, like, the really touching scene is that, like, at the last little section there, he's touching that picture of his wife when he's he's confident he's dying. Like, he's in every reality that they showed, he dies. Oh, yeah. And he's confident he's dying. He's reaching out to his wife and she gets to see that. Right. And that's like what spurs them to take it home. So that's like a suit. And I know 
comedy jokes, I hate Christmas or whatever, but like, and I'm diatribing about death on a Christmas podcast for my own fucking self-indulgence, but like, that's a really heartfelt moment. It's made me feel sad and <laughs> like feel feels. It's a super good Christmas episode. I don't know. Yeah. There you go. There, there's some, I, I think you're absolutely right. Like I was a little annoyed with this episode. I, I thought the sun was a little annoying. I was a little annoyed with the plot, the trees, as I've already mentioned. But literally, as I was taking notes for this episode, and you get to the end where the mom has made it back with the kids, and the doctor is telling her she needs to come outside of the spaceship and see. And what's amazing about that part is it's all body language. They don't really even say anything. And I just, you see the husband walking out in front of his airplane and you see the wife walking out of the spaceship and there's just something in their posture and literally as i as annoyed as i was with that episode i wrote down the note fuck it got me like you know like because there's just something about like for everything else they landed that ending and it (laughs) what i wanted to bring up is it's kind of like amazing spider-man 2 which is oh boy oh hold on Jesus which is which is I'm not hold my a breath good for this movie one. Hold on. it's not a good movie chris loves andrew garfield everybody <laughs> well he's a very good actor let's give him that at least is he is he yeah, i think so he's all right also also <laughs> was on an episode of doctor who just just as anyone wants to know sure was uh but that movie is terrible but if you know the ending of that movie, and I don't know why I care about spoiling it, but I won't spoil it for anyone. But the end of that movie fucking got me. As annoyed and upset I was at sitting through two hours of this garbage superhero movie, the end of it, I was like, oh, fuck. Like, it's, Does there's, it? oh, it, it, it might not get everybody, but for, and it's bad. Like, it's not even executed that well, but for whatever reason, I, Emma listen, Stone. I'm going to need you to break your mental code or whatever and talk spoilers because i don't know what the fuck you're talking about spoiler alert if you love terrible movies and you're gonna go back and watch the worst spider-man, Spider-Man and like easily the, the worst ever? spider-man holy maybe oh. spider maybe toby no probably like venom toby Maguire spider-man is worse but like the second worst spider-man ever yes mm, no i think right. i think amazing spider-man 2 is worse than spider-man 3 You've had plenty of time to pause this podcast regardless or, like, skip over this part while Chris spoils. Yeah. Specificity, Chris. Bring it to the table. The end of it mimics what happens in Spider-Man comics. So Emma Stone plays Gwen Stacy. In the comics, Green Goblin throws Gwen Stacy off a bridge and Spider-Man is unable to save her. And they replay that in the movie. And I just felt it, man. I just, like... Well, Spider- comic book Spider-Man accidentally kills her. Right. I think I think they do it the same way. So so she's falling she's falling through like a clock tower or something. No, she's falling off a bridge. He dives to save her, and he grabs her, but like she's falling he, fast enough. No, 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 no. She, he shoots the web. Yes. And the web grabs her, but it but the the, the whiplash of it yeah. snaps her neck. Yeah. And so like he feels like he kills her. I I don't I don't remember if it. it it exactly happens like that in the movie, but it is him trying to save her in a similar fashion where he's shooting a web and it just either yeah. can't reach her or it does reach her. It does. In the in the movie? Yeah. Oh, have you seen it? Yeah. Oh, and then does it does it snap her neck or does she hit her head on the floor? 
I'd have to watch it again. It's a subtle difference, but like, if it's that like he just misses saving her or whatever, that's a subtle difference that fucking sucks, and it's why those movies blow. I think those movies blow for a poor plot, poor acting, poor direction, like shit, man. It's all bad. It's important that Spider-Man kills her on accident. It, oh, it's a, a very important. Like that's a plot. That's a plot develop. Like that's a thing that advances the plot. Uh-huh. So, well, uh huh. Well, the character. Like, yeah. Not, yeah. Well, not the plot, but like the character. Well, even the plot a little bit, because he he's got to be a sad boy. And, right. He's very sad boy. And he gives up being Spider-Man, and then five fucking minutes later, he's Spider-Man again. Jesus. Well, that's the disadvantage of being in a movie, baby. <sighs> Spider-Man Two uh, did it better. But let's go back to Doctor Who. Hold on a second. We could have our own offshoot Spidey podcast. All I'm saying is that in a similar way, something that I did not enjoy can still land good moments like that. And this episode in particular got me twice because you have the end of the main plot of the episode, but then you have the second ending with the ponds, which also like the minute she opens that door, I'm just like, oh, God, they're so good together. Matt Smith. And uh, Karen Gillan are just fucking fire. And I love them so much together. And uh, Arthur Darville. Like, people. Oh, he's pe- the best. Per- people forget about him, but he's an important part of that dynamic as well. Like, they just all work so, so well together that the anger she feels when opening that door, you feel that anger. Like, you feel it's like it's crackling off the screen, the, the energy between them. Yeah, everyone everyone in the show can act. It's the opposite of how I met your mother. <laughs> <laughs> like everyone but one is a good actor. Where only one is a good actor. <laughs> Who is that one again? Well, I mean there's two. I give it Sagal and Hannigan are good. Oh, yeah, yeah. And Sm- and Smothers or Smolders. Smolders. Sm- Smolders. Smolders. Colby Colby Smolders. Yeah. Smolders. Yeah. No, they're all good. Everyone but the little boy in this one is is bad. Or yes. is good. He he delivered one scene well and it was at the very beginning when the mom was telling him hey i'm going to borrow the car there's a guy that fell from space and he's got to find a police box because that's going to get him home tell your father that opening is pretty good (laughs) i forgot that opening happened so when i started the episode and that ship was blowing up i was like hold on a second what the fuck did i get the right one i remember the first time or when this episode came out it was at least like this was like peak every american weirdo likes doctor who yeah and i remember like i was like tan- i was in and out with it because i was dating a girl who really enjoyed it and like I had some friends who really did and i remember like just starting to watch this episode and like enjoying that part and then i like got to the tree part and i'm like i can't take it if this episode's gonna be a little boy wandering through the woods <laughs> and i think i gave up on it if i remember right see like tw- <laughs> i think 21 year old john gave up on this episode and yeah. uh, 29-year-old John besmirches that choice. <laughs> I remember watching this when it first came out as well and not being as impressed with it. Much more enjoyable this time around. Yeah, I just remember this being like written about as like, this is some real real sad boy TV that's quite good and more people should watch it. Mm. And then what did we get from it? Terminator Genesis, which Fuck. made everybody sad. It's just so bad. The true sad ending. <laughs> everybody that was in that movie is so much better i wish star trek in the new star treks would kind of do some doofy bullshit now and whenever i watch doctor who like let's get let's make chris pine have a have like a fucking weird dance fight scene with something like will shatner used to 
Are they coming back with another movie? <laughs> it's up in the air. They were they were almost set to go, and then they didn't want to pay Chris Pine and Chris Hemsworth the money they wanted. Fair. <laughs> and then it's potentially that they uh, they might do this Tarantino script, uh, but that's all very up in the air because he wants it rated R. Of course he does. <laughs> Hell yeah! I it's gonna be so weird when Scotty calls a horror the N word. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's gonna be it's gonna be weird in a way no one really wants nobody asked for that oh what are you talking about everybody wants this movie you like i think you can let tarantino write it but you have to make kevin smith direct it then Ooh. <laughs> so like it gets it has it starts from a weird fucking crazy crazy town and then gets rained back into the source material that kevin smith used to jack off to <laughs> I think that's, like, the only way you can do that. Because if you let Tarantino direct it, it's going to just be a lot of, like, Klingons cutting people in half. And, like, people yelling, inventing new racial epithets for Klingon. (laughs) I hadn't even thought of that. That is not, ugh, oh my god. Yeah, it's going to be, like, it's going to be a, it's going to be a tough go. And then we're going to have to have the debate of, like, the merit of Tarantino sci-fi. And then does that count as one of his, like, whatever, ten, ten movies? Yeah. Is it really his movie if it's a Star Trek movie? He doesn't count the one he wrote before that he didn't direct. So I guess not, but don't let him direct it then. Yep. Give me another good movie. <laughs> does he <laughs> Does he count his role in Alias as one of his ten? <laughs> no, nor does he count uh, his vampire movie that he was in. Or the CSI episodes he directed. Or the one time he hosted <laughs> SNL. Wait, what? Oh, yeah. Who let him host SNL? Uh, after Pulp Fiction, they let him host uh, SNL. All right. all right, I guess. It's apparently very bad. I've never seen anything from it, but I've read a few things that say it is not good. Let's have Tarantino direct McConaughey Doctor Who. Ooh. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. I think that's that's the right spot for him to write sci-fi. Okay, okay, well, okay I'm going to need you to just... I ch- you, you really fucking hate these guys, okay? You just fucking hate them. God, I would love to see uh, just Tarantino direct McConaughey in anything, honestly, though. That's such a, like... <laughs> <laughs> I honestly, like, my, like modern McConaughey, like, McConaughey plus effort is, like, probably a, ter- a good Tarantino actor. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he would... Oh, 100%. He's good. Like, if Tarantino can make John Travolta good, like... <laughs> He can certainly make McConaughey very good. Oh, boy. John Travolta was required to be good at that point because his career was dead. Yes. And he hadn't sexually assaulted anyone yet. <laughs> so you couldn't not yeah. save his career. Had to, had to bring up another another bad man. <laughs> yeah, couldn't well. Couldn't get away from it. Gee. Oh, we, t- we, talk about, we talk about Hollywood, man. Yeah. So we talk about Hollywood. Yeah, so You're not wrong. Well, let's uh, let's do final judgments. I think we've covered pretty much everything else that we typically talk about here. So let's let's get down to it and see what we thought of this episode. Do we think it was a Christmas classic, a pair of socks, or a lump of coal? Who wants to start? Oh man, it's a. I'm gonna watch this a lot. I'm gonna watch this every Christmas. I think. I I really enjoyed it. It made like I said, it was relatable for me. And I think sometimes it's okay to work through those, those sad, those sad memories and stuff, and then feel kind of like good about certain moments of it. So I'm gonna watch it more. I liked it. Matt Smith is fun. Uh, I hope that little girl had a great career. 
Okay, give me give me that designation. Only the ninth episode. I said it was a Christmas classic. You, why, you did, why are you, we making uh, this a you bit? Once again, why did are you not actually it? say that? <laughs> you, you said a lot of things around it. You did not. I'm gonna post on the Jeremy Renner app about this. <laughs> oh Jesus! All right, Brian, what do you think? Uh, Christmas classic. This is one of the two Doctor. I have been watching this episode on a yearly basis. This one or the other one with Matt Smith, A Christmas Carol, which I think is equally as good, if not better. Uh, I think they're just solid Christmas things to watch for the heartstrings, for the Christmasness of them. Because, I mean, he takes them to a planet that is naturally occurring Christmas trees. What's better than that? This is far more immersed than any other Christmas episode we've had. I don't know if I agree with that, but it is very Christmassy. Uh, I'm going to call this one a a nice pair of socks. Uh, I, I'm, I can't I can't get consensus on this one because I just think the middle the middle drags just a little too much, but the the ending is is worth worth sitting through it. So a, a nice pair of socks, good Christmases to it. Matt Smith, great adult actors, great girl actor, great. Um, just the sci-fi elements of the plot outside of the personal human related elements are just a little, just don't do enough for me to really elevate it more. And as Brian said, there are also other Doctor Who specials that I think are a lot better than this one. So, uh, good, but, but doesn't quite reach the top tier for me. Damn you, man. We were so close. We got John in on this one. I I know. I'm impressed. You had two chances at it, and you blew it on both. <laughs> we still got... Hey, man. We still got... We still got 11 episodes left. Who knows what we could find that we could all agree on. I believe it's out there. I know myself. I like, like, six things. <laughs> <laughs> we might find it. Six... We went through two... I was generous on one. <laughs> well, maybe we'll maybe we'll find it on the next one. Would you like to know what we're going to be watching for our next episode? Oh boy, do I. Tell me or I'll scream. Okay, well, we're going to be trading in one doctor in space for several doctors in Chicago as we watch <laughs> The Greatest of Gifts from ER. I won't Ooh. like this. You will or won't? I didn't hear that. I, I probably won't. I don't okay. think so. What she are? What she are? Who's who is? Is this Clooney? Uh, I think we are past Clooney. I think this is uh, season seven, so we are oh, kind yeah, of not like this. starting to lose some of the original cast at this point. I think Clooney's what? out. Uh, I think Juliana Margulies is also out at that point, and I think Goose is on his way out, but is probably still around. Do you want to hear my ER story? Sure. Well, no, save it for next week. Yeah, come on, man. I will forget. And also, do you mean? Do you also mean in two days? I'll write a note. Do you also mean in two? Do you also mean in two I, days? I also mean in two days. Yes, I mean okay. in two days. Okay. Still Still a little snip, two days. Snip, snip okay. on that one, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just a little. Just a little. You can find that one streaming on Hulu, uh, if you'd like. I have one visible memory of ER. <laughs> I'm gonna write a note so we don't forget. I'll make sure to bring it up. John's ER story. Okay, got it. Cool, 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 cool. Great. Cool, cool, cool. That kind of brings us to the end. Cool. We can... Cool. Yes, it's all... Cool. 
It's very cool. We just we just want to keep you listening to this podcast for as long as possible at this point. Chris, Chris, this is what editing. gets a sponsorship, Chris. Yes, length. Hit, length gets hit up. me up, Squarespace. Hit me up. Uh, I forget the name of it, but irreputable psychology psychology service. Casper mattress. Uh, Casper mattress. I w- I'll switch to your mattress if you send me one. Blue Apron or the other one, don't give a shit. Yeah, like whatever. Whoever sends me anything, I'll plug. Well, in addition to length, you know what would help us get some sponsorships? Subscribing and reviewing the podcast on iTunes. Yeah, Hell yeah it, w- brother. it would also help John and his relationship with his mother. This don't is be, this is <laughs> it's all we have left. In that. And I've actually I thought of it uh, I thought of a really good goal for us to reach to, which is 250 reviews by the 25th. Now, some people might think that's not possible. Some people might think, "Oh, that's a pretty easy bar to cross." But you know what? If John can have 250 nice things for his mom to read, wouldn't that be worth it? So, yep. 250 by the 25th. That's what we're going and for. And $1,000 in our Patreon. <laughs> that's never that's way too many like what a hundred can buy um, all the jeremy renner camping gear <laughs> that, that that jeremy renner camping trip <laughs> uh <laughs> if we get we, if, if we, we get two thousand dollars <laughs> jeremy renner is obligated to come with us if we get 250 reviews though chris promised me off podcast recording that he would post his digimon erotic fan fiction <laughs> <laughs> So. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Mostly between Ty and the cactus one. Oh my god. <laughs> Chris is what they call a spiny. <laughs> Sp- uh, yeah. It's the, it's different than a furry. I like it. I like it prickly. <laughs> <laughs> there, there well there are furries and scalies that exist in this world. You're just I was a different worried. breed. We weren't going to go off the rails in this episode, but god damn it, we figured it out. We got you give me enough time. That's what I'm here for. Got there in the yeah. end. I get, I'll give you one heartfelt story about dead dads and one saying Chris fucks cactuses. <laughs> can't, can't wait. Can't wait for your fan art. He's uh, all out of heartfelt deaths. And by that I mean, post- please hold all your fan art and keep it to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag yes, Chris keep it to yourself, Unless... Hack- you Instagram Chris. No hash. Hashtag cactus tofer. Yep. Well, that seems like a good idea to skip going over our uh, social media channels and our email address for yeah, we this week. We got it. Nope. Yeah, it's uh, Yuletide, Yuletide TV. It's just going to be just 25 reviews of, does this guy fuck cactuses? <laughs> Ask him. Oh, my God. Post all your cactus questions to Chris. Please do not. Please do not. Oh, my God. Not the, not the kind of Christmas gifts I want this holiday season. <laughs> It'll make, it's the only thing that'll bring me this much joy again. <laughs> I feel like I just heard ice hitting the glass. <laughs> Chris, oh boy. Chris, are you drinking right now? I am not. Uh, I'm going to be shortly, though. After this, <laughs> so. this was this was it, boys. This was the good one. This was this, was, this is this is did. this is those last ten minutes that people love so much. <laughs> we, we did it. Yes. We did. We finally made a plus material. Hey, oh.
see if we can see if we can do it again next time until then (laughs) i've been chris i've been brian i am john we're glad you're still alive Sleigh Bell Sounds provided by Michael Koenig from soundbible.com and Joy to the World provided by freexmasmp3.com.